Chapter Thirty Seven of the Junior Classics, Volume Seven Stories of Courage and Heroism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Junior Classics volume seven stories of courage and heroism by william patton a rescue from shipwreck by arthur quiller couch on the thirteenth of october eighteen eleven we were cruising in the edmion off the north of ireland in a fine clear day succeeding one in which it had almost blown a hurricane the master had just taken his meridian observation the officer of the watch had reported the latitude the captain had ordered it to be made twelve o'clock and the boatswain catching a word from the lieutenant was in the full swing of his pipe to dinner when the captain called out stop stop i meant to go about first pipe belay mr king smartly ejaculated the officer of the watch addressing the boatswain, which words, being heard over the decks, caused a sudden cessation of the sounds peculiar to that hungry season. The cook stood with a huge six-pound piece of pork uplifted on his tormentors. His mate ceased to bail out the pea-soup, and the whole ship seemed paralyzed. The boatswain, having checked himself in the middle of his long-winded dinner-tune, drew a fresh inspiration and dashed off into the opposite sharp abrupt cutting sound of the pipe belay the essence of which peculiar note is that its sounds should be understood and acted on with the utmost degree of promptitude there was now a dead pause of perfect silence all over the ship in expectation of what was to come next all eyes were turned to the chief no never mind we'll wait cried the good-natured captain unwilling to interfere with the comforts of the men let them go to dinner we shall tack at one o'clock it will do just as well the boatswain at a nod from the lieutenant of the watch at once recommended his merry pipe to dinner notes upon which a loud joyous laugh rang from one end of the ship to the other this hearty burst was not in the slightest degree disrespectful on the contrary it sounded like a grateful expression of glee at the prospect of the approaching good things which by this time were finding their speedy course down the hatchways nothing was now heard but the cheerful chuckle of a well-fed company the clatter of plates and knives and the chit-chat of light hearts under the influence of temperate excitement when one o'clock came the hands were called about ship but as the helm was in the very act of going down the lookout man at the fore-topmast head called out i see something a little on the lee bow sir something what do you mean by something cried the first lieutenant making a motion to the quartermaster at the con to right the helm again i don't know what it is sir cried the man it is black however black is it like a whale asked the officer playing a little with his duty yes sir cried the lookout man unconscious that shakespeare had been before him very like a whale 
the captain and the officer exchanged glances at the poor fellow aloft having fallen into the trap laid for him and the temptation must have been great to have inquired whether it were not like a weasel but this might have been stretching the jest too far so the lieutenant merely called to the signal midshipman and desired him to scull up to the masthead with his glass to see what he made of the lookout man's whale it looks like a small rock cried a young skylark as soon as he reached the top gallant yard and had taken the glass from his shoulders across which he had slung it with a three-yarn fox stuff and nonsense replied the officers there are no rocks hereabouts we can but just see the top of muckish behind tory island take another spy at your object youngster the masthead man and you will make it out to be something by and by between you i dare say it's a boat sir roared out the boy it's a boat adrift two or three points on the lee bow oh ho said the officer that may be sir turning with an interrogative air to the captain who gave orders to keep the frigate away a little that this strange-looking affair might be investigated meanwhile as the ship was not to be tacked the watch was called and one half only of the people remained on deck the rest strolled sleepy below or disposed themselves in the sun on the lee gangway mending their clothes or telling long yarns a couple of fathoms of the fore and main sheets and a slight touch of the weather topsail and top-gallant braces with a check on the bow lines made the swift-footed edmion spring forward like a greyhound slipped from the leash in a short time we made out that the object we were in chase of was in fact a boat on approaching a little nearer some heads of people became visible and then several figures stood up waving their hats to us we brought two just to windward of them and sent a boat to see what was the matter it turned out as we supposed they had belonged to a ship which had foundered in the recent gale although their vessel had become water-logged they had contrived to hoist their long boat out and to stow in her twenty-one persons some of them seamen and some passengers of these two were women and three children their vessel it appeared had sprung a leak in middle of the gale and in spite of all their pumping the water gained so fast upon them that they took to bailing as a more effectual method after a time when this resource failed the men totally worn out and quite dispirited gave it up as a bad job abandoned their pumps and actually lay down to sleep in the morning the gale broke but the ship had filled in the meantime and was falling fast over her broadside with some difficulty they disentangled the long boat from the wreck and thought themselves fortunate in being able to catch hold of a couple of small oars with a studding sail boom for a mast on which they hoisted a fragment of their main hatchway tarpaulin for a sail one ham and three gallons of water were all the provisions they were able to secure and in this fashion they were set adrift on the wide sea the master of the ship with two gentlemen who were passengers preferred to stick by the vessel while there was any part of her above water this at least was the story told us by the people we picked up the wind had been fair for the shore when the long boat left the wreck and though their ragged sails scarcely drove them along their oars were only just sufficient to keep the boat's head the right way 
of course they made but slow progress so that when they rose on the top of a swell which was still very long and high in consequence of the gale they could only just discover the distant land muckish a remarkable flat-topped mountain on the northwest coast of ireland not very far from the promontory called the bloody foreland there appeared to have been little discipline among this forlorn crew even when the breeze was in their favor but when the wind chopped round and blew off shore they gave themselves up to despair laid in their oars let the sail flap to pieces gobbled up all their provisions and drank out their whole stock of water meanwhile the boat which had been partially stove in the confusion of clearing the ship began to fill with water and as they all admitted afterwards if it had not been for the courage and patience of the women under this sharp trial they must have gone to the bottom as it was both cold and rainy the poor children who were too young to understand the nature of their situation or the inutility of complaining incessantly cried out for water and begged that more clothes might be wrapped round them even after they came to us the little things were still crying oh do give us some water words which long sounded in our ears none of these women were by any means strong on the contrary one of them seemed to be very delicate yet they managed to rouse the men to a sense of their duty by a mixture of reproaches and entreaties combined with the example of that singular fortitude which often gives more than masculine vigor to female minds in seasons of danger how long this might have lasted i cannot say but probably the strength of the men however stimulated must have given way before night especially as the wind freshened and the boat was driving further to sea had it not been for the accident of the officer of the forenoon watch on board the Edmion, being unaware of the captain's intention to tack before dinner these poor people most probably would all have perished the women dripping wet and scarcely capable of moving hand or foot were lifted up the side in a state almost of stupor for they were confused by the hurry of the scene and their fortitude had given way the moment all high motive to exertion was over one of them on reaching the quarter-deck slipped through our hands and falling on her knees wept violently as she returned thanks for such a wonderful deliverance but her thoughts were bewildered and fancying that her child was lost she struck her hands together and leaping again on her feet screamed out oh where's my bairn my wee bairn at this instant a huge quartermaster whose real name or nickname i forget which was billy magnus appeared over the gangway hammocks holding the missing urchin in his immense paw where it squealed and twisted itself about like gulliver between the finger and thumb of the brobdingang farmer the mother had just strength enough left to snatch her offspring from billy when she sank down flat on the deck completely exhausted by means of a fine blazing fire and plenty of hot tea toast and eggs it was easy to remedy one class of these poor people's wants but how to rig them out in dry clothes was a puzzle till the captain bethought him of a resource which answered very well he sent to several of the officers for their dressing-gowns and these together with supplies from his own wardrobe made capital gowns and petticoats at least till the more fitting drapery of the ladies was dried 
the children were tumbled into bed in the same compartment close to the fire and it would have done anyone's heart good to have witnessed the style in which the provisions vanished from the board while the women wept prayed and laughed by turns the rugged seamen when taken out of the boat showed none of these symptoms of emotion but running instinctively to the scuttle-butt asked eagerly for a drop of water as the most expeditious method of feeding and dressing them they were distributed among the different messes one to each as far as they went thus they were all soon provided with dry clothing and with as much to eat as they could stow away for the doctor when consulted said they had not fasted so long as to make it dangerous to give them as much food as they were disposed to swallow with the exception of the ham devoured in the boat and which after all was but a mouthful apiece they had tasted nothing for more than thirty hours so that i suppose better justice was never done to his majesty's beef pork bread and other good things with which our fellows insisted on stuffing the newcomers till they fairly cried out for mercy and begged to be allowed a little sleep possibly some of us were more disposed to sympathize with the distress of these people when adrift in their open boat on the wide sea from having ourselves about a month before been pretty much in the same predicament it always adds as any one knows greatly to our consideration for the difficulties and dangers of others to have recently felt some touch of similar distress in our own persons this maxim though it is familiar enough makes so little impression on our ordinary thoughts that when circumstances occur to fix our attention closely upon it we are apt to arrive as suddenly at the perception of its truth as if it were a new discovery End of A Rescue from Shipwreck by Arthur Quiller Couch Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida